0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Seriously Disturbed. I'm Savannah. And I'm Lauren. And this week I have a case for you. We've been keeping it secret from each other, so <laughs> I guess I'll just spit it out now. I am doing the Devil Made Me Do It case.
1: <gasps> yes.
0: So we're getting a little paranormal with a little true crime. And I think I think this is the perfect crossover case. So yeah, Lauren. Lauren gave me like five cases to pick from that she knew because she's the paranormal queen, <laughs> and I picked this one.
1: Okay, well I'm super excited to hear you tell it.
0: Yeah, the story is it's seriously like the, one of the most interesting true crime stories ever. I don't know how I didn't really know about it, but yeah, no, I, I
1: don't. I don't really know a lot of details about it. So
0: okay, well let's here we it. go. So, we'll start with our sources. You can skip through. Skip, skip. Um, (laughs) Arnie Johnson killed his landlord, then said the devil made him do it by Marco Margatoff on allthatsinteresting.com, our favorite site ever. It is. Um, And then the true story behind the Netflix documentary, The Devil on Trial by Laura Zamosa on time.com. And finally, The Devil on Trial on Netflix. And... I know, it was crazy enough, whenever I was, like, looking up which cases to do, this documentary had just come out, like, the day before. Oh, really? yeah, I was like, I'm doing this one. Um, Yeah, so it just came out on Netflix, so everyone, it it was really good, so you need to go watch it after.
1: I know, once you said Netflix, I was like, I haven't heard of
0: that one, so. No, it's. Brand new. I'm going to have so, to listen
1: to it or watch yeah, it. Yeah, I made
0: all the girls that came in town this weekend watch it with me. So it could, you know, it's a, it looked like a good documentary. And I was doing research. So, yeah. Zubble. That's
1: how I felt last story with Ghost Adventures. <laughs> I like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm just watching a show, but it was research.
0: Yeah. No, it was fun. But the first half, I was kind of drinking. So I don't know if those notes are very good. So don't fact check me on the first half of the story. <laughs> Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay. In Brookfield, Connecticut, on the night of February 16th, 1989, 19-year-old Arnie Johnson killed his landlord, Alan Bono, by stabbing him to death with a pocket knife after a heated argument. So, we're starting right off the bat with what happened, just because the whole interesting part of the story is everything that leads up to it. Okay. So. Pocket knife.
1: That's that's i know it seems extra brutal for
0: some reason i don't know why but because i feel like you have to try extra hard and you have to be super close yeah Yeah. like
1: it's not that long i don't know i guess it would depend on the knife but i'm thinking like this little one i have in my car for safety no that's exactly
0: what i'm picturing and i didn't even think about it till you said that but you're right that's extra brutal yeah weird um so, what seemed like an open and shut case turned out to be one of the most controversial cases in American history. And Arnie Johnson's plea was the not guilty by reason of demonic possession. So, that's the whole tie-in of paranormal activity and true crime. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you said you want a paranormalist. We're, we're getting Paranormal. Um, (laughs) this is also the case that inspired the Conjuring movies. So, yeah, I think you knew that that was the the fact you brought me. But yeah,
1: that's like all I really know about it.
0: Yeah, which I mean, now I want to go back and watch the movie because knowing everything I know now, it's like, I don't know, it's just jarring. Which which movie was it? Was it the second one? I can't remember which one, but you'll know once we go through this story because I, I can picture exactly what movie it is. Okay. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's the second one. Probably. I've seen them all, I'm pretty sure, but this is the one that I always remember the most. So, I don't know if that helps. I think it's the best one.
1: <laughs> yes, that helps us know which one it is.
0: <laughs> well, if I like it, it's probably the best. You know what I mean? Okay. So, to really understand this case, you need to understand everyone who's involved and how they are connected. So, we'll just start off, like, kind of with all the characters involved and then get into the, to the meat of the story. Okay. So, starting out with the man himself, Arnie Johnson. Arnie, like I said, was a 19-year-old boy at the time. I say boy, I guess man. At the time of the crime, and he was engaged to a woman named Debbie Grotzel. Debbie Grotzel had three brothers named David... Alan and Carl. Um, it's also going to get a little confusing because the victim's name is also Alan, but there's Alan Bono and then Alan, the brother. So, okay. okay. We don't talk about the brother much. So just if I'm talking about Alan, it's probably the, the victim. Okay. Um, and David, the youngest brother was 11 years old at the time that this story starts. And it really starts with him. So, in the summer of 1980, the Gratzel family moved into a new home. David, the 11-year-old boy, had a bad feeling when they moved in and soon began to complain of a man taunting him. He said that he saw a man with black eyes, a thin face, animal-like features, and jagged teeth. Oh. Um, I know. <laughs> he said he was waking up in the night hysterically crying, and eventually things got worse, and he would start spitting, Biting, kicking, and cursing at his family. David would? David, yeah. Okay. So at first, they, um, in the documentary they were talking about, they just thought it was like behavioral issues, like he was just acting out maybe to get attention as the youngest sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, but the family started becoming more and more concerned that his behavior wasn't just uh, typical young boy issues, but perhaps it was something more sinister. So, this is when the family decides, okay, I think this is an actual demonic possession. Oh, God! And jumps. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> for hindsight, like, the mother, Judy, um, is painted as a deeply religious woman. So, okay. if you really believe in God, then you believe, believe in, the, in devil, the devil, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, that's how they ended up going with demonic possession as uh, an option. Um, so... At that time, there was Ed and Lorraine Warren, and they were really well known at the time for Amityville, Am, I, uh, I can't say it, A- Amityville, Amityville, horror <laughs> incident. No, okay. That way. Amityville, Amityville. Um, Amityville. So Ed and Lorraine at the time were really well known for Amityville, whore incident. <laughs> Guys, I can't say it, okay? You know what I'm talking about. Just Google it. Um. It gets worse every time you try. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say they were really well-known paranormal investigators. Yeah. So, they end up hiring really well-known paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren. So, um remember Love them. them. You yeah, you'll probably remember them from the Conjuring and the Amityville Amityville. Yeah, good job. <laughs> um so Side note for Carl, the oldest brother, um, in the documentary, he talks about how his mother wasn't actually a deeply religious person behind closed doors, but she portrayed her herself that way um, when things started happening with David, um, and then they started going to church after this. So hmm. just like a side note for what's to go on later. Because in the the documentary, they're kind of cutting back and forth between all the family members because they're still alive today. Like, this did not happen that long ago. Yeah. So they're all talking, but separately. So you're getting everyone's different perspective. Um, That's
1: interesting. I wonder if, like, seeing her son act like this made her think demonic and made her think, like, I got to get my family in church or something.
0: Yeah. It could go either way because, yeah, that's the first thought I had was like, okay, I didn't believe in God, but now seeing this, like, I actually do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, So <clears throat> during this time, it was all hands on deck to try and help the little brother, David. Arnie, who was um, engaged to Debbie, the sister, eventually mm-hmm. ended up staying with the family to help out however he could. Um, David continued to get worse and worse it was hissing, having seizures, speaking in strange voices, and he even started quoting the bible. Of so course. I know. So it was starting to get worse and like so everyone was coming to the house, including Arnie. I think it's like
1: that he was quoting the bible. I thought like I I I mean all my demon knowledge is like based off like conjuring movies and stuff like that, but I wouldn't think that a demon could quote the Bible because don't they use the Bible to like fight the demons off during exorcisms?
0: You're right. I don't know if that was a drunk note or if that's a real note.
1: Yeah. Weird.
0: I don't know. I got it from somewhere.
1: Well, I I don't think it's a drunk note because I I think I have heard that before. Or I don't know, maybe I haven't. But
0: anyway, weird. Weird fact. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. Um. so the family eventually resorted to trying exorcisms to cure what they were convinced was the demonic possession now in the documentary they explain how it's not easy to get the catholic church to do an exorcism um, there has to be good evidence that it's actually a demonic possession happening and the family um, had to go through a lot of like paperwork like it's it, they have, they're liable if something happens during the exorcism or oh. so they're not liable um they warned the, the Grossel family stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they told the family that it's possible that David wouldn't come out of it alive. I oh, um, sure. I know. So but the family was like convinced that it was bad enough that they needed to do these exorcisms. So they ended up doing a series of three oversaw by priests. And during one of the last exorcisms, David allegedly predicted that Arnie would eventually commit the murder. No one's fact-checked that, but it was in, like, all three of the sources. Um, Weird, okay. Yeah. So, in a fit of emotion, um, Arnie pleaded that the demon leave David and take him on instead. Um, He said he couldn't just sit around and watch this happen to Debbie's little brother. Um, This is when they believe that the... the entity left David and took over Arnie. Um, this led the okay. family to believe that David was cured of the exorcism, not realizing that the spirit had just taken over another body because it was only five months later that Arnie committed the murder. So I um, wonder, and,
1: and you may get into it, but I wonder if like Arnie started acting weird after that.
0: They like, never I, mentioned that?
1: Yeah, like obviously besides the murder, but if... If David was, like, hissing and yelling and, like, his family knew something was wrong with them, you would think that yeah. that would happen to Arnie.
0: I know. Yeah. So, they, we'll get into that at the end because there's kind of, like, two viewpoints on this. Okay. Um, so, it's time to meet our last character, Arnie Johnson's attorney, Martin Manila. Martin is the one who bravely enters the unheard plea of not guilty by reason of demonic possession. And in the documentary, he mentions that it it had been used in Europe. So this wasn't like the first Mm. time that someone had pled guilty because of demonic possession, but they just had never done it in America. Okay. Um, But spoiler alert, the judge ultimately rejects that plea, saying that it wouldn't be possible to prove... um, and the testimony on that matter would be unscientific, thus irrelevant.
1: Yeah, um, I I understand that.
0: Yeah. No, I I mean, how do you prove it? Mm-hmm. So, um, and many other attorneys criticized Martin for taking this case, saying he just wanted it for the press, essentially. Yeah. Um, but when I watched the documentary, like, when I was reading about it, I was like, oh, this guy just wanted to be on TV, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when I watched him, he seemed, like, honestly, like, sweet and kind of naive. Like, like he mm-hmm. really believed that this is what happened, and he was just taking it on because he felt bad, like, no one else would believe him. So yeah. I honestly don't think he was doing it for the attention. Like, he seemed like a really sweet like guy was, i don't know
1: <laughs> like he genuinely believed that the devil
0: yes is yes. the
1: culprit in this situation yep. okay mm-hmm.
0: so i'm not judging martin i like him yeah but martin, um uh. yeah i like his name too i know um something i didn't know but learned while researching this case is that priests who perform this kind of thing are not allowed to talk about it so even in this case, they couldn't admit their involvement in the exorcism. And they do not acknowledge anything, like any exorcism. And they obviously wouldn't be able to speak to it in court. Um, but they do acknowledge helping David during a difficult time. So that's it's weird. like, yeah, I feel it's like, like come they, on.
1: <laughs> like if they signed all those papers and everything, like it legit happened. Like there should be records of that.
0: I know. To bring him. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know anything about exorcism paperwork, but <laughs> <laughs> apparently they couldn't talk about
1: it. So okay. I could see like why in court you can't really talk about it because again, it's like not everyone really believes. It. Yeah, it's hearsay. It's just kind of like what you believe. But okay,
0: I know and a lot of people said like okay well if you can bring up god in a court of law then why can't you bring up like you mm. hold your hand on the bible and stuff like oh yeah i know That's so a good i point. mean i can see why it's a little bit of a rocky area but like yeah we need to separate church and state then for real <laughs> yeah gonna, if
1: yeah. we can't talk about like half an aspect of that religion then don't bring any of it into it
0: exactly so i i see where they're coming from and I don't know where I stand, honestly. Like, I always fall in the in-between of, like, I don't know. I really don't know. So um, when the demonic plea didn't work, they were obviously devastated, and they really only had, like, three days to come up with something else. Um, So they ended up working on a self-defense case instead of demonic possession. So this kind of ruined their entire case because they came in basically saying yeah i did it and but i only did it because Mm -hmm. um a demon made me do it and what sucks is uh debbie and some other people signed statements saying they saw it happen but they're saying they saw it happen because a demon possessed him
1: yeah you would think that they would be like okay we won't take the devil or a demonic possession, but will take insanity. Or something that kind of still is along the same lines, like, in my yeah, mind. Yeah, like,
0: I did it, but I wasn't in my right mind kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and if you couldn't tell already, Debbie is, like, 100% behind him, and mm-hmm. so is Debbie's family. Like, they 100% believe that David was possessed, and the, possessed, like, the possession went into Arnie. So, mm-hmm. they're, like, standing behind him 100%. Um, but crazily enough, this actually kind of worked in their favor, um, because the court actually only found him guilty of first degree manslaughter and he was just sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison. Um, but the judge believed he did do it and said, I have no choice, but to give you the maximum I can give you, which is 10 to 20 years in maximum security Mm -hmm. prison. So, I think the jury was kind of feeling for him, but the judge wasn't going for it. Yeah. How how long did he actually spend in jail? That's my next sentence. Oh, you read my I'm mind. <laughs> no, you're fine. So, interestingly enough, he actually only served five years in prison and was, was released on good behavior. I know. And it, it's, it, it makes you feel like maybe this was, like, the truth. Like, I don't know. Like, he still to this day, has never done anything else. Yeah, but um, to this day, has he gotten an exorcism? I true. don't know. Maybe the demon left him because he killed and, like, completed the mission?
1: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't okay.
0: know. Well, I'm, I'm playing both sides because you'll see here in a minute when we're, like, we're going to be judging him. We're gonna
1: <laughs> okay, I'm about to say, so far, I'm leaning against
0: that he did it in his own right mind. I'm being skeptical. Yeah, but, no. I'll we'll see. It's probably my tone because I'm just such a skeptic. But <laughs> um, while in jail, he ended up marrying Debbie, and they stayed Aww. together until Debbie unfortunately passed away in 2021. So Aww. Debbie stood by his side through and through, and claims that the worst thing her husband Arnie did was try and take on the beast that possessed her little brother. So she she, she gonna stick behi- beside him, like she did not think he did that. Yeah, that's some loyalty right there. I know. I mean,
1: not even like sticking beside him, but like having the public probably like scrutinize her and her and Arnie and like their yeah. entire family like that that would be a lot to deal
0: with and they stuck together. So. I know. Love. Yeah. It, I know. I'm like there is a love story in this. Um but during this time journalists were given tapes of the exorcism. So since they couldn't use these things in court Mm-hmm. They ended up kind of doing, like, a a case to the public, almost, to prove that it was a demonic possession. Um, so it was just, like, the sounds of the exorcism of David. Yeah. and Or, like, sounds of him, like, at night when he was, like, hissing and, like, doing all this stuff. Oh. Um, so Even the, the heebie like, I know. No, they kept <laughs> playing it over and over again in the documentary. I'm like, I can't get that sound out of my head. Um... But this is, like, what riled the public up and, like, everyone was, you know, fighting back and forth either way. Like, they thought this was BS or, like, they really believed in it. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. Got the public going. Um, So, as for the other family members, the eldest brother, Carl, was furious about the whole thing. So, Carl is the one who's, like, Arnie committed murder. My brother was never possessed. That's Sounds his view. Good. Yeah. So... While Arnie was in jail, author Gerard Brittle published a book with the help of the Warrens. Um, so the ones, the demonologists and mm-hmm. obviously the ones in The Conjuring. Um, they titled the book The Devil in Connecticut. Carl claims they took advantage of his brother's mental health for money. He, Carl was 15 at the time and never believed any of it. Um, he thought his family was nuts and never trusted Ed or Lorraine. <laughs> um, <laughs> He felt they were leading David on and how he should act. So, like, for example, um, in front of the entire family, Ed and Lorraine would be like, okay, well, he may start hissing at you. He may start cursing at you. Um, Oh, to kind of, like, get the thoughts in in David's head of, like, what he should do. Yes. And he said, and then, like, David, like, a couple days later, would start doing just that, like, whatever Ed and Lorraine Mm -hmm. were saying that he may start doing. Um, and then Ed and Lorraine also started coming over every single night and we're bringing cameras like with big bulbs and like recorders and everything. So it was kind of like turned into a big show and it was like, as soon as they came over, David knew to start acting out essentially. So yeah, yeah. that makes sense.
1: I've, (laughs) I've heard, um, in another podcast is called, and that's why we drink. It's my favorite podcast. But they, um, they em did an episode. M is one of the hosts, and mm-hmm. they did an episode where they covered the Ed and Lorraine like conspiracy stuff mm-hmm. and basically how like a lot of the stuff that they did was like manufactured like that. And it was very not like hyped up, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, faked. Or exaggerated and stuff like that.
0: I think I'm team... I don't like Ed and Lorraine. And that's crazy because they're such lovable characters like before all this Mm -hmm. that it's like... It breaks my heart, but yeah, I don't think I like them at all.
1: Yeah, I I like them... Like I like
0: them in the movies. Yes, no, they're great characters, but the real them... I'll get into some of the details, but it's like... Side-eye. Yeah, why don't you, like, learn
1: how the real Ed and Lorraine went about everything? Yeah, yeah it's like... Oh. It's,
0: it's sad. It is sad. Okay. So, yeah, he believes that none of this ever should have been connected to his brother. And he believes that his sister was having an affair with the victim. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he ended up suing them, um, The the author of the book for this reason. Like he doesn't think any of this is legit and they just took advantage of David like being vulnerable at that time and like yeah. probably seeking out attention or you know having actual behavioral issues and like kind of conjuring up conjuring
1: mm-hmm. conjuring
0: up this like narrative that wasn't real. Um yeah. The only thing that I could say to that
1: being devil's advocate was how did ed and lorraine know to come to
0: their house so i think it has to do with the mom and i don't think i get into it so i can just talk about it now but the mom i think knew about ed and lorraine and i think she might have been because i don't know why she ended up reaching out but i know why she kept going with it because mm-hmm. Ed and Lorraine told her that they were going to become millionaires from their story. Good God. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> so I bet the mom reached out. Well,
1: if this is all fake, I bet the mom reached out and was like, let's make this story happen. Or like something like well, that.
0: No, I think the mom really believed that David was possessed at first. Mm. And I think she knew about them because they're well known. But then after the murder happened, I think is when, like, she was told. Because Ed and Lorraine were in their lives, like, every single day at this time. Okay. So Ed and Lorraine were telling her, like, you guys are going to be millionaires from this case. And I think that's why she backed up um, Arnie in the murder trial. Okay. That makes sense. So, I I, I don't think she was, like, intentionally making stuff up, but I think she just really wanted to believe it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it
0: does. So, the night of the murder, Judy, the mom, she comes running up and asks Carl and his dad, who are working outside together, um, to come with her. She's said that Debbie is hysterical and crying, and we need to go over to the kennels. I don't really know what the kennels are, but it's wherever they were. So, um Okay. They load up, they go over and see that Alan is laying on the ground, and they go over, roll him over, and see that there's four stab wounds. Um, but he's still alive, but he couldn't talk. They're trying to tell him, hold on, and Carl is the one who finds him like this. So this is, like, the oldest son who's still skeptic to this day. And, I mean, that's traumatizing to see someone, like, dying in your hands. Yeah, especially um, if he's 15. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So very traumatic and when he was talking about it on the night it sounded like he hadn't really talked about it much before I'm like this man needs therapy oh gosh Um, and but after that um, whenever the trial was going on the parents actually paid Carl to like skip school and go have fun for the day because they knew that he might try and like ruin the trial so that's never really sat well with him I mean they didn't outright say that but he's like that's just kind of like the vibe he was given like he was not welcome at the trial and they gave him money to go do whatever besides be there. Hmm. Yeah. Fishy. So, um, this is like where he came up with the idea that his sister was having an affair with him because witnesses who heard the crime claimed they heard the two arguing over Debbie. Um, and that's exactly what the prosecutors say happened. Um, It turns out Debbie even admits to the detective that she once did have a relationship with Alan Bono, but by that time it was over and in the past. So there was history with the landlord prior to her current relationship. Gotcha. So, so she was, had something with Alan and then allegedly it ended and she was now engaged to Arnie.
1: Um, so that
0: makes the sense. fact that even her brother believes it kind of, and the detective says that she told him that I, I think it probably has some truth to it. Um, and it makes me wonder if it was actually heated argument and d- if Debbie knew or if she believes Arnie, like I cannot tell, like I want to say she believes him because why would you want to stay with someone that murdered someone? Mm-hmm. You know, eventually you'd like come to, right yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know i think mm, i think i believe debbie
1: and what she told the detective and that there might have that they did have a relationship in the past but it was over yeah and maybe the argument was just over rent i know or like something like not debbie you know since he was the landlord and everything it could have just been something unrelated
0: yeah. And, I, like, put in my notes, like, Arnie's talking throughout this whole thing, mm-hmm. like, they're interviewing him, and I, like, find him to be trustworthy and likable. Like, that's, yeah. like, how he comes across. But I know, like, lots of serial killers are trust, like, Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm, he was true. trustworthy and likable. De- so. Very deceptive. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it's just, it's just hard to watch after. You're just like, I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so Debbie, like, after the thing, she ran up to him, gave him a kiss, and they had old videos of her, too, and she, like, looks like she really believes he was innocent, so I don't know if she's in denial, she believes it, either way, her, the mom, everybody stood behind him for the rest of their lives, Um. Mm. yeah, so... Uh, I don't know what to think about Debbie, and she wasn't here to, like, talk about it now. But yeah. there's old interviews, and I, I believe her. I'm not staying with a man that killed somebody. Like, eventually I would start thinking about it and be like, are you going to kill me? So. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I kind of
1: am leaning towards that she believes him, that it was the devil, because she believes what her mom was telling her
0: that David was possessed. Yes. Okay, now here's where we get into the mom part. Okay. So, this is what really throws Carl off. There's, like, a couple things. But, um, so, right after everything happened, the mom was flown off to Hollywood to, like, tell her story everywhere. And oh, she was God. having, like, fancy dinners and, like, doing all these things out in Hollywood. And this is when Ed and Lorraine told the family that they would be millionaires. Mm-hmm. Um... Because they were going to do the book, and they were going to do, like, a different book this time. And when the, fam- the family signed over the paperwork um, and asked if they needed a lawyer, Ed and Lorraine were like, oh, no, like, that's taken care of. Like, don't worry about it. And then the family ended up receiving around $4,000 at the end of the day. And Ed and Lorraine earned about $81,000 from the book. Um, but still to this day, they're making money on it because of the Conjuring films. So... they're profiting to this day (laughs) that is such
1: not a good look that immediately after the trial you go like I get if this was real and Ed and Lorraine they were gonna make the Conjuring movies probably anyway whatever Mm -hmm. they could have the money off that but like immediately after is so suspicious to me that like it just makes it seem like she
0: had it in her head the whole time I'm doing this for publicity Mm mm-hmm 100%. And at this point, David, like current day David, like a grown adult, fully believes that he was possessed. Mm -hmm. Um, But he is like, he hates the Warrens. He thinks they're con artists. Um, They told him when he was younger that he was going to be a rich rich little boy. Um, But then they went on to profit off of him and his story and never paid him. So... Yeah, they, they they hate the Warrens, um, yeah. but it's kind of crazy to see the different perspectives because Carl was older, and I think I, I kind of side with Carl at this point after hearing everything, mm-hmm. um, but David, I mean, I feel like it's too traumatic to probably for him to even think like, no, I wasn't possessed, and I went through all of that, and it wasn't real. Like, I feel like that's, yeah, I don't know. That he would be hard to accept. He was also so
1: young, though, like five years old. Wasn't he, was he five? 11. He was oh, 11.
0: Shit. Okay, never So, remember. I mean, he's, he was, like, I mean, he was old enough to, like, remember, but, I mean, that's still young. It is young, but it,
1: I was, gonna, like, have a whole different thought when I thought that he was five for some reason. So, like, 11 kind of cancels yeah. out that thought in my head, but, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're still easily coached or,
0: like, thought to believe something, like.
1: You are, but, like, at 11, I feel like you can kind of, once you get older, though, like, you can kind of think back to it and realize like okay this was put in my head to be a possession and like something like that but like when you're five I feel like it's a lot easier to like trick a five-year-old and make them believe yes. that this is
0: actually true yeah yeah I know I would need a therapist to like I would love to see someone like psychoanalyze all of yeah them. <laughs> yeah that <laughs> would be really cool It's. I don't know But um, the director of the Netflix series, Chris Holt, he had a really good quote. I feel like sums up everything. Um, He said, there are people who tell lies, but I sat with David, Arnie, Alan, and Carl for hours on end, and their stories never changed. I think they were telling me the truth, but it's their own interpretations of the truth rather than it being a hard fact. But they believe, and I believe, what they were saying is truthful. And I feel like that's... Like, literally every single person talking, you're like, oh, I believe them. I trust them. Like, Yeah. So I think they all just, like... I mean, that's their childhood. Like, it's hard. But
1: just like you said, like... Even though what they... They probably believe one thing. It could be a lie, but to them, they believe it. So they're not coming across as lying. They're coming
0: across as truthful because that's their truth. It is. I know, and it's so crazy that... Everyone can have a different perspective of literally one event that's mm-hmm. known. Like it's not like a mystery what happened. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. but it was really sad because like basically at the end they kind of show that the family's all broken now and like the brothers don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um and you can tell like David like feels like great shame and guilt about everything. Like he feels like it's responsible for the guy's murder. I know. I'm like david like he that's like could a t- lot yeah that's a I lot know, to he's put on someone and he still like looks like just broken up about it like like he is the reason this all happened yeah so that's what makes Poor me God. kind of frustrated about like arnie and everything because it's like mm-hmm. if it is a lie like you ruined not only one family's life but a whole other family got broken up over it yeah um then at the end of the documentary, Carl just drops this, like, cra- crazy bomb at the end. Like, I don't know if they just didn't know where to throw this in. Um, <laughs> but when the parents passed away, um, him and his wife were going through their things and I- looking through journal entries that the mom had, which I don't know if that's an invasion of privacy, but I'd probably do it, too. I, don't know. I would do it. Sorry, yeah. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can read mine. Like, it's fine. Yeah. But um, she writes in her journal, like, multiple times about giving the family medicine. Um, and eventually they find out the medicine's called Somonex. Um, and she was breaking it up and putting it in their food um, oh every night. It makes you sleepy. So it was like a, it was supposed to be, like, a nighttime sleep aid. It says it's non-habit forming, completely safe. Um, but she wouldn't have it. Like, she always kept her food separate.
1: Mm-hmm. Or that's
0: at least how he remembers it now. Um, and would like dose the whole family because like she said, it was just like too much. Like the family was overwhelming to her and he believes that she used it to control the family. So I think he's a little scorned. So take it with a grain of salt. Um, it's still weird for the mother to be like drugging their kids. Though. No, it's definitely very weird. And like the medicine now like isn't on the market, um, because it mm-hmm. caused mood swings, weight gain hallucinations yeah um and he believes that david probably suffered from the effects of the medicine because he was overweight he was having these crazy mood swings he was probably hallucinating um oh, yeah seeing like at the 11. very
1: yeah at the very beginning you said that he was seeing like a man with a skinny face and sharp teeth or something like yes. yeah that and they
0: had just moved too so he's probably like you know kind of scared of a new house or something mm-hmm. you know and i don't know But to this day, David does not believe this happened. Like, he does not. He says, my mom would never do that to me. Um, And he believes he's possessed by a demon. So, I I really think I believe Carl.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, you believe that it was all a hoax? Yeah. Yeah. I do, too. But I do believe... That both sides believe their truth.
0: Oh yeah, like I don't think anyone... maybe not the mom.
1: I think the mom was up to something.
0: I do too. I don't. I don't feel good about the mom, and we don't get to see much from her besides like her interviews on TV when she's like, which is also kind of like suspicious in hindsight. Yeah, and then like we see her or we hear her in those like demonic possession tapes, mm-hmm. and it's just like I don't know. It's very jarring. Like. Yeah. When you think about it, like, you're the adult in the situation and you're allowing, like, this big charade and show to come in. I don't know. Oh, and the one other, like, random thing I remember that whenever, like, David would be possessed and, like, acting out Mm -hmm. and, like, cussing and, like, calling his mom things and, like, saying all this crazy stuff, when the dad would, like, come in and be like, like, David, like, stop, like you're going to be in trouble, whatever. David would, all of a sudden the demon would leave and like David would stop. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. I don't know. I don't like it.
1: I don't like it either. I think the mom got wrapped. I don't know if she necessarily did this out of like evilness herself. I hope not. I hope she just got wrapped up in something that she couldn't stop. And was so convincing to the kids, or to at least David and Debbie. Mm -hmm. And so they believe that it really happened. But Carl saw the light and he's like, no, this is all bullshit. Mm -hmm. So I believe that they believe their truth, which kind of sounds like, like, I don't know, kind of like a motivational thing. Believe your truth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're a spiritual motivational podcast. Yes,
1: we are. Motivational Mm -hmm. Sundays. No, but... Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that they believe their truths, but the, the truth is Carl's truth. I think or so too. Carl's, that there was no devil and that Arnie just went psycho for a moment, for a minute. And yeah.
0: And I think the only person I think well, obviously would be the only person lying would be Arnie, the killer. Yeah. but But you said that he seemed so truthful i know that's why i'm like i don't know like maybe he did have like some sort of some sort of like psychotic break i mean he'd been in a crazy environment I i don't know or like maybe
1: he believed it because like the mom and debbie and everyone were like oh shit the demon's in you now and he like started t- playing that role or like and yeah like had like a psychotic it became break became or something truth. yeah yeah i don't know this know. story is crazy it's crazy like i can't believe it's real and we like can talk to the people still like, i know i am so excited to watch
0: the documentary about it yeah you need to watch it <sighs> yeah wait a couple of weeks so like you forget everything i said wrong <laughs>
1: That noise probably sounded really weird on my lap because I was was drinking my tea. But, um, no, I don't think you said anything wrong. Well, I don't know. Can't fact check you yet. But yeah, all of our listeners, wait until you completely
0: forget about this story and then go go back and then you can watch it. (laughs) You know, we probably, we boosted Netflix's sales by 28 viewers. (laughs) Yeah, we got 28 of you. Thank you, everyone.
1: Thanks, guys. Um... And don't forget, every time you're out at the bar on Saturday night, mm-hmm. promote our podcast and tell people, yeah. you don't need to get your Sunday scaries from being hungover.
0: Yeah. Get it from that these was girls. such a lame <laughs> promote. No, guys, I've heard this really casual, yet serious podcast called <laughs> Sarah's <Slate> Disturbed. <laughs> it's, it's an in-between of all your favorite podcasts. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, with that being well. said, please follow us <laughs> and rate us <laughs> and
0: review and review and um, share oh, you say your say That's our challenge. Just share to one person or your story. Yeah. Um, yeah. We would we love it. We love it
1: all and we especially love recommendations which you can submit to us <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> on Seriously Disturbed Pot, right? Yes. On, on Instagram. Instagram. Mm-hmm. So we've got one in the queue.
1: <laughs> we do. Mm-hmm. Um that was kind of a chaotic yeah. ending, but thank you all for listening. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we are so thankful for you um <laughs> bye <laughs> goodbye bye <laughs>